0: you're a star
1: Alistair you're so creepy it's gross 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 Hey maniacs.
0: <laughs> Boy, do we have a show for you today? Woo-hoo! Oh my gosh.
1: All kinds of goodies. Woo! Craziness.
0: Episode 45, Dead Letters, Season 9, Episode 2. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into the episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies. Oh, such a crazy episode <laughs> and everything else we love.
1: And if your kids can handle zombie rainbirds, then they can probably handle the podcast.
0: Zombie rainbirds. Like, we have a whole show of announcements at the beginning of the show, <laughs> let alone <laughs> we get to the episode where the rainbirds come back.
1: First of all, we have to have some sad news. Yes. Vera Lynn, who we've mentioned in, in a past episode, because Scott said, hey, who's Vera Lynn? Has passed away.
0: 103. Man, I hope I lived under. Imagine the world that she saw change.
1: Everything. Yeah. Just everything. That means she was born
0: 1917.
1: Right. So, World War I, old enough to remember World War Two. just and yeah. everything, everything, and the internet and the birth of
0: television, uh, films, color TV, color movies. Recording going from wax to digital.
1: Yeah. To, I mean, people listening to her songs on Spotify instead of, you know, on an album. Just crazy, crazy changes in the world.
0: It's just insane.
1: What a fantastic career. Amazing. We'll miss you, Vera. We miss you. We got
0: mail. We got fan mail.
1: We got mail actual physical speaking of dead letters mail. Yes. Kimette from Instagram was yes. kind enough to send us two copies so we don't fight over them. Tiny midsummer zines that she made and they're epic.
0: They are. They're beautiful, first of all. They're they're absolutely gorgeous to see.
1: Fully illustrated, and full of in jokes that only midsummer people would understand. Yep. Absolutely fantastic.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> and it ends up that she lives in Renfrew, which is like literally an hour away from where I was born. And we used to play foc- uh, football against people in Renfrew.
1: It's a little world and we get around.
0: Yep. So. Absolutely.
1: Speaking of getting around. Wow. The Weekly Express. Express Online. Aren't you famous now? Jeez, No. Somebody's really lazy over there was sort of an experiment, actually. So I posted to the subreddit, the Midsummer subreddit, to say, hey, who do you think was the killer in this last episode, The House in the Woods? Was it Jack or Charlie, and did Barnaby get it wrong?
0: Charlie, Jack, and the twins.
1: Right, because I just wanted to kind of open that conversation to see what other people's theories were about the end of that episode. And lots of smart people kicked in ideas, and we were having a good discussion, And then all of a sudden in my RSS feeds, here's the Express saying, hey, uh, Midsummer fans, uh, cite some deleted scene, which I had only mentioned in passing. Like, maybe there was a deleted scene that would make it make sense. Maybe. Because
0: it's missing. We We have no deleted scene reference.
1: No. Uh, And quoted me as saying, did binary arrest the wrong person? So... Not bar, I said Barnaby. You
0: said Barnaby.
1: This person can't even copy paste.
0: They also called you Intelligirl with a small i, which I didn't like.
1: I'm lowercase,
0: yes, (laughs) capital I.
1: I'm Intelligirl on the internet because I was S. Smith. Get that username anywhere, yeah, right? No, so forget it.
0: I'm typewriter because I like typewriters.
1: Mm -hmm. So, but and I kind of joked in passing like, now I want to post a theory about like. Barnaby's an alien, and I can prove it to see if they'll pick that up. It took less than 36 hours.
0: Less than 36 hours. Sue's picked it up.
1: She noticed, yes. Yeah, lots of people noticed it. It's just so skeezy.
0: Uh, One last note about the zines. I'll put a picture in the show notes so people can see them. They're
1: beautiful. They are very beautiful. Yep. This week, the um, official midsummer. Top one, top fifty. Yep. Top fifty list. We have twelve to five this week. It's counting down. They're getting close. Yep. So in next week's episode, uh, Mark and I are going to announce our individual top five episodes of all time of Midsummer. And we're not going to share them with one another in advance. And if
0: you send us your top five, I'll try to compile a list too.
1: Yeah. Or maybe we'll just read out the craziest top five lists. Yeah. Like, You like that one? Yeah. What's wrong with you? You We'll ridicule you if you get a solicit. No, we won't. No. But we might read them on there. So, Midsummer Global Top 50, 12, Written in Blood, Episode 2, Scumbag
0: Scum. Scumbag Scum. Death Shadow, number 11, The Priest who cuts the head off, Mm -hmm. Decapitation. 10, Destroying Angels. How did they taste? (laughs) Number 9, Last Man Out. Season 19, Episode 3. Ooh. I believe the last Jones appearance. Remember, he comes back as Before the undercover. Before Winter takes over, yeah. No, no, he comes back as the undercover guy after Winter's taken over. Yeah. Yeah. Ring out your dead. Ring-a-ding-ding. Season <laughs> 5, Episode 2. Number 7, The, de-
1: the Killings of Copenhagen.
0: Midsummer Ooh. goes international. Yes. Season 16, episode five, still two new Barnabys in here.
1: In the top 10?
0: Yep. Two new Barnabys in the top 10. Hidden Depths, season eight, episode six that we just finished. A mm-hmm. Little five degrees to the left. And number five, Ghosts of Christmas Past. Which we got a comment about on Instagram this week. <laughs> about how much she hated the the... Jennifer. Jennifer yeah. and how much they love the little kid.
1: <laughs> so think about what your top five episodes are and um, send them send them our way.
0: And just today on Instagram, we had somebody say, When I'm rewatching, I now watch for the best corpse. We've broken you people.
1: That was Mara Busy V, right? Yeah. We have broken all of you. Not, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, so I, kn- I knew that we would break people. They would start thinking like us. They, they're they maniacs, so why yep. wouldn't they? Um, we've certainly done it to our kids. So in this episode, Dead Letters, David Bamber. Who is amazing. Yes, he's an awesome actor. He plays John Starkey, who's the, the ringleader for the Oak Apple Day celebration. We, we just saw him in a Grand
0: Chester, and he was... He was BAFTA-worthy oh, in yeah. that episode. Yeah, super
1: good. Yeah. And David Bamber's been around for a long time. And uh, for, I would say, until he was in maybe his mid-40s, he was tending towards kind of the chunky side. Not not fat, not big, but, you know, kind of like a, a comfortable.
0: You know where I really noticed the change, and we'll talk about the change, was when he was in Father Brown as the Egyptian guy.
1: Yes. All of a sudden, Oof. Muscles.
0: He suddenly went to the gym and became oddly muscular. Yes.
1: And so in our weird um, maniac shorthand, we call him Big Ears Strangely Strong. (laughs) Because if I say, hey, did you notice Big Ears Strangely Strong was in that episode? Mark knows exactly who I'm talking about. Which is what we did when we watched the (laughs) Red episode. I was like, that's Big Ears Strangely Strong, isn't it? Yes, it is. This morning, one of our kids, who wasn't even watching Grant Chester with us... Yes. ...said, oh, is this week's episode of Midsummer the one with Big Ears Strangely Strong in it?
0: <laughs> and, you know, it not only ruins... The, it, we love it, of course, <laughs> but it ruins other shows. Like, we don't refer to any of the characters in Game of Thrones by their real names. Oh, no. It's Chocablock block <laughs> and, and Inspector yes. Alex <laughs>
1: all these people who have no idea. We saw, we saw the inspector from the new father Brown episode, the new father Brown series. We saw that actor and something else. And I was like, Ooh, look, it's Padre. Padre. And you knew exactly (laughs) what I was talking about. We're so broken. And now we're just spreading it all over the world. Yeah. Speaking of broken senior, you are broken. Why? So I, I don't know if everybody listens to the episodes all the way to the end. But Mark always puts these little tech Easter eggs after the closing music of the episode. If you're patient enough to listen through the music at the end, he's got a little treat for you, so, including me singing two weeks ago. Didn't even know you were going to do that. Thank you very much. So this this comes from podcasts that we listen to,
0: particularly Reply All, Reply All, which has some fantastic bits at the end. And another podcast I listened to, A, hey, do you remember? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Last week... Yes.
0: <laughs> we talked about a
1: side podcast. You joked that we should have a side podcast where you watch a horrible movie, and I ask you about it. And uh, at least one of our listeners is patient enough to listen to the clo- through the closing music and heard it. And, and suggest it, like, and 12 hours after <laughs> the episode dropped. they would listen dropped. to it, and I'm like, no, we do not have time to record another podcast. Ah. But their
0: suggestion was that you watch the bad movie yes. <laughs> and then I interview <laughs> you about it.
1: Which, speaking of Reply All, is what they've just done recently with the, the Scaredy Cat movie podcast. where. <laughs> if you don't listen to is Reply
0: All, you should listen to Reply All. And the Scaredy Cat movie cast is fantastic. It's
1: great. But anyway, so if you're one of those people who... um you know, fast forwards to the end of the episode, past the closing music, you might be missing out. Uh, two weeks ago, um, in Midsummer Rhapsody, you missed me singing at the end. Yes. So thank you. There has
0: been some fantastic yeah.
1: out <laughs> there. I'm much more guarded in front of the mic now, because I know you do that. Yeah, well. Sneaky mix. I edited thing. the episode, so.
0: That does make you the ultimate I remove all the so's and the ah's and the um's so that we sound like radio-worthy people.
1: But not me singing. No. Thanks. Sorry. (laughs) It was too good.
0: (laughs) And the best part is you sing like three times. You start the song like three times. Because I was figuring
1: out the lyrics as I was singing it. I was making them up. Yeah. Yeah. This week, we've got season nine, episode two, Dead Letters. Filmed in June and
0: July 2005, broadcast the 26th of February 2006, 8.54 million... Uh, viewers directed by Rennie Rye, who's directed before, I'm sure. Right. And Peter J. Hammond.
1: Can we just talk about this festival first? Okay. Since the whole episode centers around Oak Apple Day, can we just talk about that first?
0: And for our British listeners, at the top of my notes, I always have "Stop saying so. I've now added for this episode, say fate, not fet."
1: <laughs> I'm just going to call it Oak Apple Week. Because it's a whole week.
0: I have one essential question
1: about this. Okay.
0: There's lots of questions about it, but I have one essential one that was in my notes in capital letters. Mm -hmm. What on earth can happen to make this thing get canceled? (laughs) Because there are three murders
1: within walking distance of this thing. And they don't cancel it. When Ursula Gooding's in charge... Nothing short of an atomic bomb going off in the center of the village is going to postpone this event. Ursula. <laughs> Ursula. Oak Apple Day, not week, day. Day. Was an actual holiday. Okay. It was shorthand for Restoration Day. Okay. Which is um, the day when the English monarchy returned, when they After restored. After the Civil War. In, in May of 1660. Okay celebrated on the 29th of May for
0: our American listeners there were other civil wars and there was a British Civil War in which the Royalists were defeated by Cromwell and his armies yes and he was in power a decade.
1: the Whigs maybe? versus the Roundheads there's yeah. the the War of the Roses which went on and on and on yeah. there's lots of civil wars they killed Charles II yes. So when when the monarchy was restored in 1660, they celebrated that with Restoration Day. But so in 1859, they revised the list of basically bank holidays and Restoration Day was taking, taken off that list. So it's really not an official UK holiday anymore. Okay. And it hasn't been for a really long time. Yes. So the fact that um, Midsummer Barton still celebrates Oak Apple, not just day, but week. Yeah. It's kind of like any excuse to sell to have a week worth of, you know, country fair basically. What day was it? Um, it's supposed to be on May 29th.
0: Okay, that makes sense cuz Midsummer Night's Dream starts June 3rd at the Costum Playhouse. So
1: <laughs> That's an important thing. To By know. the way,
0: there are a million posters for that show. <laughs> yes.
1: But here's what I don't get. Well, there's a few things I don't get. It's a holiday to celebrate the return of the monarchy, right? Okay. The restoration of the monarchy. I get it. Okay. I get that. What I don't get is how that turned into a celebration related to oak trees. Okay. I could not find the connection between those two things. Could it be there was a party already that day and they just added it? Um, it's, I think it's more likely that it, when it became less popular to celebrate the restoration of the monarchy, they looked for another excuse to have a celebration at that time of year. And so they decided that oak boughs and the mythology around oak boughs and green men and the right to wander and stuff like that became something. Maybe. okay. The
0: other thing that everyone's screaming at their podcast player is, because I don't know what you listen to your podcast on, is what's an oak apple?
1: It's a shik Oh, okay. That's what it is. Shik Shack abendigo. It, well, it's also known as Shickshack day. What the heck is a shik A shik is an oak apple. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> because oak apples are not disgusting enough. Let's call them shik So an oak apple, you have to know the whole biology of a gall wasp. Uh, okay. Okay. You have to know that the females burrow underground and lay their eggs on the roots of oak trees. Okay. And when those eggs hatch... The larvae climb out of the ground, up the tree, and into the branches, and in the case of the oak, they embed themselves in the main vein of a large leaf. Okay. And then they release chemicals that turns that leaf into a gall, which is this big cyst ball thing.
0: There will be no pictures of this
1: in the show. I've looked at enough of them. Okay. I kind of lost my appetite for probably a couple of days. Yeah. So, the, the gall grows around the larva okay. as it develops.
0: Well, welcome to Science Corner.
1: Mhm. <laughs> and it creates this green ball cuz it's it's mutated the leaf, see? Yeah. And then when it hatches, it mates, and if it's female, it burrows under the ground again and starts the whole thing over again. Okay. Okay. So, Those are not apples. Don't eat those. No. No. (laughs) Don't even think about it. What does that have
0: to do with bows and kisses and...
1: That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, now, wait a minute. Let's connect these things. Like, okay, I can kind of see the oak. Like, there's a lot of oak trees in England, and there's the king oaks, which are the biggest oaks in the forest. Aren't they that cool? And, you know, the, the right to the countryside. And I, I get that. But then why connect this gross relationship of a wasp? Why even bring that into it? I don't get it. It's nasty. And damages the tree. It's yeah. not good for them. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just had to get the gross out of the way. Please. Thank you. If you want to gross out, just Google it. Just Google Oak Apple and look at the image search. You might throw up a little bit in your mouth. Just a little. Unless you're an entomologist, in which case you're fascinated. Yes.
0: We begin. So they've got a
1: whole week of events. Yes. Right? From the beauty queen and the parade to the dog competition and fancy dress. Worst parade ever.
0: (laughs) We begin the cold opening, though, with whispers. What is this drug that makes you basically hallucinate. hallucinate your own voice yelling at you?
1: Uh, Dyrothene. Okay. Which is not real. Okay. They made it up? They made it up. But what's funny is that if you Google it, you go to the UK Health Service page on tranquilizers. Even oh. though that word does not appear on that page. Oh. Because so many people have searched for it. Wow. That's... And this is the only place I could find it was in this Midsummer. It also begins with Blackface Robin Hood. What is up with that? That little boy... It's not blackface. It's orange face. It's like Trump face. Yeah. It's, I didn't know Robin Hood had an orange face. Did you know that? He is the worst bow and arrow dude ever. <laughs> like, I know kids have crazy costumes that don't always, like, you know, look like what they're supposed to, and that's kind of fun sometimes. But who darked his face up? And oh, why?
0: If only there was a bedazzle jacket. But wait, there it.
1: Is. Yes. Well, it's sequined yes. all over. So Marion Slade is drowned... She lived at Candle Cottage. Okay. And then we're at the festival. Okay.
0: She drowns and the kids find her and she is underwater for four and a half hours and doesn't make a bubble. Doesn't like stunning dead
1: body work. Claire Ascom, who plays Marion Slade, doesn't have a ton of credits, but... She she should get a, a round of applause for this dead body acting. It's impressive. That water must have been cold too. Oh, it's got to be. It's river. It's she's
0: in the river.
1: Yes, with her face pressed against some rocks, fully submerged. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful shot. But man, she deserves a BAFTA.
1: <laughs> but she may not be the best corpse in this episode. Nope. Not saying something.
0: <laughs> we have a fate. Right? Oak Apple Week. It's got trombola, strength tester, hoopla, and it has Mistress Katrina that has two boards of signs for the fortune teller. Yeah. The whole sign that we can read is all about how she is involved in the great heads of Europe.
1: Did they borrow the sign from the traveler lady who had nope. the... It's a different sign. No. I went back and checked. <laughs>
0: And we never see Katrina again.
1: No, they're just setting the stage. They've got a coconut shy, too. They do. And face painting. You're just jealous because I've got a coconut and you don't. Yeah. (laughs) Then we get um, Ron Chalks, the publicans. Fabulous sideburns. Wow. Are they fantastic? He reminds me of, um, I always want to call him James Earl Jones. He's the opposite of James Earl Jones, but his name sounds like that. He was a country singer. He's saying that- It's George Jones. George Jones, thank you. George Jones had sideburns like that.
0: They're just horrible. You could rename this episode, Why Are These People Married?
1: Yes, (laughs) you could. (laughs) Unlikely couples and the problems that creates.
0: Why are the Chalks married? Why are the Castles married? Why are the Starkeys married? Who knows? Who knows? They do this so well. Dennis Rainbird- Pops his head up. He's got a little tie in his ponytail. His
1: name is Alistair Gooding. But you
0: don't know that yet. No. <laughs> right? People must have screamed at their television. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we see Ursula first. Yeah. Right? So you see Ursula Gooding and you think they've brought back the actress who played Iris Rainbird, Which Elizabeth she's a, great, she's a great actress. And according to the magazine, they intended to bring her back for the 50th episode. Okay. And it was going to be like a celebration of like the, the best character. They were going to bring her back. But her schedule didn't allow it. So she wound up in episode 45 instead. Okay.
0: We'll but, have to look at episode 50 then.
1: Yeah. Well, I think they rearranged the storyline. Okay. For her. But this story was written to bring them back. Oh, excellent. Like, that was the whole. The whole point it was of like the write story. whatever you want as long as it makes sense for. Iris and Dennis to come back. They're fantastic. Right? Yeah. So we've got Ursula Gooding and her son, Alistair, who are played by Elizabeth Spriggs and Richard Kant, who were the original Iris and Dennis Rainbird in From Badger's one. Drift in episode yeah. one. And Barnaby does not freak out enough when he sees them. No. He's if just he like- saw one of them, he'd be like, how strange that guy really looks like somebody I've seen before, but he's dead. So that can't be, when you see both of them, yeah and he they're familiar go, with he, he should go wah, 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 and dress the same as they would have like no.
0: Never mind, Jones is like, yes, I know that from the case. Yeah, I'm like, you're the most well-read detective sergeant ever.
1: And wait a minute, didn't you grow up in Wales? No. How yeah. do you know about a case in midsummer, and how did you go to the Oak Apple Festival when you, if you were in Wales?
0: We think Jones maybe showed up in midsummer when he was about ten. That's what we think.
1: That's what we're guessing.
0: But anyway. The important thing is they walk past a calliope.
1: That's the important thing. Yes. The calliope that has the white wigged conductor. Yes, it says says, a Ruth and son H S O H N. No, wait a minute. So it's not a merry-go-round. No, it's a calliope. It is a keyless calliope. Because when I saw the scene of the figurines moving to the music, I figured that was in the middle of a merry-go-round.
0: no, no. No, I have a video that I'll put in the show notes of the actual Calliope that I think it is.
1: That's cool. Is it steam-driven or something? It is
0: steam-driven.
1: There's a lot of steam-driven stuff in this episode. Yeah, it was made in
0: 1875. Wow. Yep. It has 92 keys, and it is it works like a, a player piano. Like okay. There's a there's a stack of paper and the video that I'll put in the show notes is really good because they show you how it works inside then they take you around to the front and show you the, the but one.
1: unlike a player piano it only plays from that music it's yeah. not really an instrument that a person can play no right no, that's what you mean by keyless, keyless. okay
0: yeah. and it is like Andreas Ruth and son were like the premier uh, organ makers. Of these types of organs in Europe.
1: Well, the producers got a hold of some collectors for this episode. Yeah. Because they've got some old tractors. They've got that steam driven tractor. They've got the Calliope. Well, I think the
0: steam driven tractor and this, I think probably those dudes know each other.
1: Yeah. Like maybe it's the steam powered thing club or something. So, how big <laughs> do you think it is? Uh, let's say it's eight feet tall.
0: It's probably 10 feet tall and 12 to 15 feet wide, so the size and, of a large organ yeah, and there's big there's a window that opens that shows the conductor and all of those figures actually move and if you notice, the music they play is not the music that this thing plays because there's a xylophone at the very front of it with little hammers that p- beat on it.
1: that's amazing
0: it's stunning
1: that's, it has drums that's super cool
0: yeah. Absolutely phenomenal! By the way, there's a Midsummer Night's Dream poster in the.
1: Hey, did you know that a few days after this episode, Midsummer Night's Dream is going to be performed in Midsummer Barton? Yes, that's we should amazing. put a
0: float. No, it's in Coston at the cost oh, Playhouse. Oh, the Boston
1: Playhouse. I wonder if that's why Cully's not in this episode because she's off rehearsing for Midsummer Night's Dream. So
0: not only do we have the rainbirds. Okay, not only do we have the best sideburns this side of Midsummer (laughs) Barbie, but then we have the doctor. Dr. Weller. Oh my gosh. I love the doctor in this episode.
1: He's fantastic. Played by Simon Callow, who's awesome anyway. Who, first of all, does not like, I thought he was going to have a
0: cigarette in his mouth when he was dead.
1: I don't know if Simon Gallo smokes. He but, did. He, he quit 15 years before this, but
0: wow. Does he know how to look like a chronic smoker?
1: Yep. He quit 15 years before this and said it was really hard for him to agree to do it, but it was so key to the character and he didn't take up smoking again because of the character. Oh my gosh. Like the picture in the magazine is the quintessence of it. It's the, yeah. With the, he's got a cigarette hanging outside of, of his mouth. And like hanging. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> I don't think he had trouble not smoking in this episode because it doesn't actually touch most of his mouth.
1: Well, and half the time he's smoking a joint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the, it's just a big billboard that says he's not your typical village doctor. No. Oh gosh, No. <laughs> He outrages me because when he hangs the oak boughs on his house, his beautiful, amazing house, yep. he hammers them into the brick, yeah, into the mortar between the brick. Like, wh- <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, so at the pub, who is run by the Chalks, and we're going to talk about Simon Callow more. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to him.
0: They have Costa ales, so there's a whole range of ales. That they've created for just this episode, because I don't think they appear anywhere else. Are they on the pump handles? They're on the pump handles. They have Coston Ales pump handles. Uh, Nice. But the middle pump handle is the more interesting one, because it says Prince Albert... And it has a guy with a green face. I don't know what it is. I looked and looked and looked, and I couldn't find what that Prince Albert was. I didn't know if it was a goof, because they already had made a handle for Costin' Ale.
1: Uh, <laughs> and you couldn't, there isn't actually a Prince Albert ale? No, I couldn't find it. Because you know what should be on that handle? What? A pierced tallywhacker. A pierced tallywacker. A Prince Albert. Yes, yes. <laughs> No, it's a guy with green
0: face. With a green face.
1: Maybe that's the face you make when you get your Tallywacker (laughs) beard. There we go, Prince Albert. You got Prince Albert in the can? You better go let him out. (laughs) Sometimes I make myself giggle, even if I don't make anybody else giggle.
0: Jones is sure comfortable. He's telling the constables what to do. He's running the scene of the crime. He is on top of it.
1: Yeah, it's just, he's, he's... the new replacement. Yeah. It's not like Scott is behind the scenes going, I'm still sick, sir. Sorry. And, <laughs> He's and, just gone. And I have a note here of it's
0: yet another woman who has no child. There's no mention of her husband. Marion? Yeah. There's no mention of her husband. She lives in a million dollar cottage.
1: Oh, yeah. And owns a farm and that Rob Pride works for her because yeah. she doesn't do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. They pretend real estate's cheap. They do, unless Barnaby's buying it.
0: <laughs> uh, then they're off to see the Starkeys, which are a whole problem in themselves.
1: So Marion is found dead, and Tom and Tom Jones, um, Tom and Jones, <laughs> Tom and Jones. <laughs> It's not unusual. To the top. <laughs> Speaking of whales, uh, are making the rounds, doing the interviews, and they uh, they meet the Starkeys, right? Uh, Grace and, and Mark, who yeah. own the farm on no, one no. side. No, Grace. no, no, no. Sorry, and, John, John sorry. and um, uh, Grace, Grace. Thank you. Who own and, and she is the typical I hate my husband wife.
0: Okay, and this is. I'm going to come back to this. You are not meant to understand how do you feel about this woman at all? No. Her first scene, all she does is complain about her husband. Then she complains to her husband about him not helping her when there is a dude in the background who is clearly helping her.
1: And yet she's not the typical upper class, super wealthy, cold woman either because she's in love with Dr. Willow, and he is not in love with her, and it breaks her heart. And she does such a good
0: job that when she's with the doctor, with the Willow
1: Bow, doing whatever they're doing. At least it's not Nettles, because, you know, they're part of Oak Apple Day, too, uh, is to be beat with Nettles. Wow. Okay.
0: Anyway, she does a really good job of looking happy there.
1: Yeah, she does. She's having fun. It's the only time you see her genuinely having fun. And then she's
0: wrecked because the doctor is like, It's just a bit of fun. Grace, it's just a bit of fun. (laughs) So then you feel horrible for her. And then he's dead. And she loves him.
1: But he didn't love her, so it doesn't matter. And then we just completely forget about her. (laughs) Grace Starkey is played by Carolyn Goodall. Uh, she's in The Killings of Copenhagen, which oh, okay. you mentioned earlier. That's yeah. uh, She's in Two Midsummers. That's her other one. I knew she was in Schindler's List. She plays Mrs. Schindler. Yeah. yeah. But I forgot that she was in Hook. Oh, okay. She's Robin Williams' wife. She's oh. the mother of the kids in Hook. Okay. And she was in Cliffhanger with John Lithgow. Do you remember that movie? Okay. So. <laughs> and this is not, here's a horrible movie. Has Mark seen it? Because I've got two of those for this week. I have, I have a
0: weird Simon Callow cliffhanger thing. What? I went to go see Four Weddings and a Funeral, and I went in the wrong theater, and it was Cliffhanger, and it started. And I was like, this is not Four Weddings <laughs> and a Funeral. <laughs> so I sat through all the trailers, and then I, it started. I'm like, no, no, because... I had seen Four Weddings and a Funeral Mm. at the theater more than one time before this.
1: Ah.
0: And I was like, oh, no, I'm in the wrong theater. I had to get up and
1: move. So so I've never seen Cliffhanger. Have we ever told the story about when we were in the wrong theater? Oh, so. On the podcast. Have we told that story? No. Very quick story.
0: We took the kids to see some Christmas movie. They were five. Five. We had just bought this house. Yeah. With four kids.
1: We had four five-year-olds with us. So what we did was we would both go into the theater, get all the kids seated, and then one of us would go back and get all the snacks. Yes. Right? And
0: so I did that, and I came back, and I'm like, psst,
1: Sarah. The credits had started because we were running late. And she's like, what? I'm like, we're in the wrong theater. And I'm like, what?
0: (laughs) I'm like, this is
1: Alien versus Predator (laughs) (laughs) 2. I wondered why everybody in the theater was looking at us so strange.
0: <laughs> so we almost took our children to see Alien vs. Predator 2. When they
1: were five. I think we were going to see The Grinch or something. <laughs> wow. We're in the wrong theater. <laughs>
0: Alien vs. <versus> Predator. <laughs>
1: uh. So we learn, then we learn about Bella. Yes. Right. We learned that um, that Marion's daughter Bella died eight years ago. She was anemic and allergic and died from complications of food poisoning, according to Doctor Wello. Yeah.
0: No, he didn't. No, they didn't. No, no she, she didn't.
1: didn't. <laughs> Do you want to try any other pronouns? <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs>
0: The, so the now name we know, Bella is really important to this show.
1: Uh, we've heard Bella. But never in a good way. No,
0: we've heard Bella referred to in Just
1: event. like Arabella. What yeah. about Bella? Yeah. Um, and so now we know why Marion might have been so upset that she took more of her tranquilizers than she should have and wound up in the creek, but it doesn't make any sense, right? No. Why eight years later? Why now? Uh, and... Everybody who knows her says she, she didn't appear to be suicidal. No, Wello admits that he had a relationship with her, but it was just a fling, and he says he knew her well. And she wasn't doing great. She was kind of self-isolating, but, but she wasn't depressed in that way. No. Right? So it must be something else. So now Tom Jones is on the case. Yep.
0: And they're off to see the castles.
1: Mm-hmm. Who are the other neighbors? Mark who, and Helen. Who? And Sadie.
0: Yes. Sadie's so cute. She, she has is. beautiful hair. Yes. And Jones does some good community policing with her.
1: He does. He's, He's very a, good with kids.
0: He is. He is. Uh, and he doesn't come on to Helen Castle like
1: Scott would have. Scott They're former travelers who have bought a farm and settled down. I
0: have an earring, so I'm a
1: traveler. Yeah. And they've got a sheepdog named Telly. Okay, we have a cat named Telly Well, we did Yes Unfortunately, she's not with us anymore But yeah, it's easy to remember their dog's name, Telly The sheepdog And I remember it's a sheepdog because Spoiler alert, not When Mark dies, Telly's laying in his lap Yes And I think, oh, what a well-trained dog And then I realized, it might not be a real dog
0: Yeah, I looked today and it's not a real dog
1: But it's eye moves Yeah, it's
0: weird very strange. But it's a
1: stuffed animal, I think. Yeah. And it's easy to do that with a sheepdog because they look so similar, right? I mean, sheepdogs are pretty standard, that kind of sheepdog, but anyway.
0: Anyway, back to the important parts of the plot. The hedgehog wins the competition
1: of fancy dress.
0: Oh, fancy dress. That's right. The yes. hedgehog wins fancy dress.
1: Fancy dress. But don't leave him cow's milk or Be- he'll die. A- you can only leave them goat milk. Ursula. Ursula
0: what do you think jones dressed up of if in fancy dress when he was a
1: kid a cop <laughs> i think he was a little bobby he's a little bobby and we get to see joyce why is joyce wearing the same pink orange and yellow cardigan that she's worn for the last two episodes it's the uniform
0: she's turned it into a uniform
1: so when i see that i think Oh, they, they filmed all of these at the same time. Yeah. And they just kept her in the same outfit so that she could switch between episodes. What I noticed like, was... No, that doesn't make any sense. They could give her a different cardigan. What's it take two seconds to put on a different
0: cardigan?
1: She's always buddy-buddy
0: with the sergeants, but she's really close to Jones already.
1: Because he's nice. Yeah. And he's I think he's a bit more mature Yeah. He's more grown up. And local. And he hasn't met Collie yet. Yes. So. That's good. He's not broken or anything. He's all right. (laughs) But poor Joyce. I mean, let that woman change her clothes. Jeez. Okay. I'm a little kid. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I'm dressed as a bee. Mm Mm-hmm. I've been assaulted by the worst archer in the world. Mm -hmm. I called him a bow and arrow guy. (laughs) He's Robin Hood. Archer. I've seen a dead woman. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's go to the fancy dress competition.
1: <laughs> you know, little kids let that kind of stuff roll off of. Them. I don't know. Now, later that night, she's going to be crying, not wanting to go to sleep because she saw a dead body. Uh, I also want to know what is going to get this thing
0: canceled.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, this is how volunteer committees for stuff like this work, right? Yeah. It falls to whoever is willing to do it. Yes. And Ursula Gooding is one of those people who likes to be involved in everything, wants to be in the center of everything in thinks the- that she knows best, so she's the head of the committee and probably has always been the head of the committee.
0: In the show that has had some major committees written in blood, that's yes. a great committee.
1: Yes, right. She's in charge, and she probably has her whole year centered around this.
0: This committee meeting, which is held in, like, the
1: basement? In the back room of the pub. It's so dark. Like, in the storage room of the pub. Like, come on, Chalks,
0: turn on some lights.
1: Well, and Ruth Chalk, who's having an affair with John Starkey. And the doctor. Not at the same time. Not yet. They, Okay. They kiss in public. They kiss in public in a hallway between the storage room and the bar where her husband is running the bar. That's that's not a good place.
0: <laughs> what I want if to you know, is don't want to get
1: caught. It's the
0: conversation between Ursula and Ron back in the
1: committee room. <laughs> I forgot those two would be left behind back there. Yep, because they were left. So it would be Ursula and Sideburns sitting in the back room twiddling their thumbs. Yep. Going, well, you think think Ruth's really getting drinks? I don't know. She might be kissing that guy out in the hallway. Mm." Well, he does have an ascot on. That's true. My Sideburns can't compete with his ascot.
0: (sighs) I'll get the rat poison.
1: Because if John Starkey's not wearing a spangly jacket, he's wearing an ascot. Big Ear strangely strong, puts on the ascot when he gets home.
0: Parnaby and Jones go see the doctor to talk about Marion. Mm -hmm. And he looks on his computer while he's smoking, which I'm like. "Ah." (laughs) But he has an ISO monitor. Now that is probably one of the most expensive monitors at that time.
1: The the brand is really high yeah, end. They're very high end monitor company. Did it make the vroom, blip, 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 sound when a file opened? No.
0: <laughs> I did notice in the file that Roger and Penny Bell from uh, Badger's Drift were also patients of uh, patients Doctor patients Wello. Doctor Wello, I wonder if they're relatives.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's talk Doctor Wello for a minute. Yeah. So he's played by Simon Callow, who we've mentioned. We've mentioned he was in Four Weddings and a Funeral. We haven't even got to April. <laughs> this episode. No, I know. She's fantastic. I know. Um, uh, so he was also in The Man Who Invented Christmas. Yeah. The movie about Dickens. Well, he's a Dickens guy. Well, he has written some books, right? He wrote an Orson Welles biography in three parts.
0: Which is why he has a Bloomington connection. Yes. Because he was here. He's been to Bloomington. Because we had an Orson Welles
1: exhibit, and he was part of that. It was a collection. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote a book about Wagner, Charles Lawton, who's an actor. And these Dickens. are not, like, he writes
0: books that people can, like, non-academic books, but these are really well-researched books.
1: Oh, yes. They're just on the line between academic and mass publishing. Yeah. He's also written a book about Oscar Wilde. He's written several books about acting. Yes. And London's Great Theaters.
0: He is stupid, fantastically busy. And smart. Yeah.
1: And he just got married in 2016 to his partner on the beach in Greece. Oh. A rather young man, I must say. Oh. La-ti-da. Well,
0: They are very happy together. He's, he's in Four Weddings and a Funeral as a gay man, which for that time was... Spectacular.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe not in British movies. It wasn't that big of a deal in British movies. (laughs) But in the midst of all of this awesomeness, Simon Callow was in a movie that falls into the That Looks Awful, Bet Marks Seen It category. Uh, Okay. Are you ready? We've reached that part of the program. We've got two challenges this week in the That Looks Awful, Bet Marks Seen It. Okay. This is a 2008 movie called Chemical Wedding. You might know it because in the U.S. it was released as Crowley.
0: No. Whoa. I have not seen this movie. All
1: right. Okay. Let me lay it out for you. Okay. First of all, you have to know that Chemical Wedding is based on a screenplay written by Bruce Dickinson. Who is the lead singer of Iron Maiden. Yes. Yes. Okay. 10 years earlier, he had a solo album called Chemical Wedding that has nothing to do with this. Excellent. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the plot of Chemical Wedding and Simon Callow stars, he's Crowley. Okay. Well, he's the guy who becomes Crowley. Okay. Upon entering a VR machine. Oh, wow. Yes. In 2008, (laughs) Professor Oliver Haddo, a modern Cambridge scholar, becomes possessed by the spirit of infamous occultist, Aleister Crowley. Okay. Aleister Crowley has no hair. Resurrected 50 years after his death, Crowley begins his occult practices anew, seeking a new Scarlet Bride, who he whom he can marry in an occult ceremony, which will increase his power. Okay, when you're possessed, your body doesn't change. We must see this movie <laughs> within the next 24 hours. <laughs> it looks fantastically horrible.
0: Bruce Dickinson wrote this.
1: Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> I can't even begin to want to see that
1: movie. Well, you wait till we get to the second. That looks awful, but Mark's seen it. Because <laughs> it's even better. April annoys Ursula
0: is my heading. April, April, April. She no, is the world so
1: annoys good. Ursula.
0: Yes, but April is so good. Sophie Thompson. Somebody on Instagram today said she's better than her sister.
1: Ooh. Them's fighting words. Their mother's been in a midsummer too.
0: So she's a mousy brunette whose lips are always pursed.
1: Yes. Very conservative, she button-up plays, shirt, long plays skirts. She plays
0: the same kind of character in lots of stuff. But then she doesn't. But her sister is not like that at all. No. Her sister's Emma Thompson.
1: But Sophie Thompson is not like that.
0: No. Oh, of course not. You can't assume that an actor is like their role.
1: But she can pull that off very well. She
0: does it so well. When she's hiding in the bed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know Ursula's bad. She's, you know, Iris Rainburn's sister. There can't be, you know, the apple, the oak apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Full oh, right? there you go. Um, <laughs> How do you like them apples? Um, those oak apples. Those them nasty oak apples. <laughs> she can do nothing right. Nothing. Nothing. Meanwhile, is- Alistair is a pedophiliac crazy guy, and he's perfect as Ursula, long as he dresses like Dennis, his dead cousin.
0: Without physical abuse, Ursula is the worst parent ever. Yeah, just horrific. Horrific.
1: Because April is a genuinely good person. She has little acorns. Yes. She's a troop leader for the little acorns. It's just fantastic.
0: I love them so much. This is an episode. We've said this about other episodes where there's too many characters and too much soap opera. Right? We've said that about other episodes. Yeah. This episode has tons of characters and tons of soap opera, and I love it all.
1: Yeah, because they're all played by really good actors and they're really so, good characters.
0: So good. This actors. is, yeah.
1: Other than maybe the castles and the chalks, this is kind of an all star cast. It is. These are big actors in this. Yep. So, to- Sophie Thompson, the reason why I said she's not mousy. No. Is because she was also in four weddings and a funeral. She was. And plays
0: a. She plays St. John's, uh, the, the guy who,
1: oh, He was in a
0: midsummer. The relish guy. The relish guy. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, he's not the relish guy. He's the guy with the mustache from.
1: See, this is what we do. This is how we end up with big ears, strangely strong. See how this happens? <laughs> Just like this. <laughs> He's the
0: guy from Campion who rides the motorcycle
1: with the weird map. No, I don't remember and the that. Big one. Mustache. I don't remember that one. <laughs> anyway, she is she is over the top, boisterous in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yes, she's in Gosford Park, which is one of my favorite movies Absolutely of all time.
0: Absolutely brilliant. She's movie. also in
1: Deathly Hollows. Yep, with Kate Greenwood, otherwise known as. Square Jawed Lady from *Midsummer Rhapsody. Yep. But my favorite role of hers has got to be Sheila from The Detectorists. Okay. She plays the wife of the guy who's the head of The Detectorists Club, and she is fantastic.
0: We have talked about this show. If you you haven't haven't seen
1: it, go watch it right now. It's so
0: good. It may be the best half-hour comedy show from England I say it's better than The Office.
1: Oh, I think so, too. It's lovely. Yeah, it's great. But Sophie Thompson is also in our second. Okay. That looks like an awful movie, but Mark's seen it. Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay, I'm ready. This is a 2004 movie. Okay. The categories that it is categorized by on IMDb are the following. Okay. I say this before the name of the movie, okay? Let's see if I can predict the name of this movie. Here are the IMDb categories. Fat. Vulgarity, Profanity, Toilet Humor, Bad Taste Humor, Adolescent Humor, Gross Out Comedy, Scatological Humor, Crude Humor, and London, England.
0: (laughs) What is this movie?
1: It's based on a comic. No. It's a comic written by Graham Dury called Fat Slags. Wow. These are two over the top, very large women in this comic. It's it's um it's it's very much like a crumb comic. Okay. Um they are crude. Okay. They let all everything hang out, including body parts hang out all the time. Yep. Um and just they just have a lot of fun together. These two women. And it's called fat slags? It's called fat slags. Wow. And according to IMDB, the cumulative worldwide gross, this is why I was asking about these numbers, is 105,091.
0: I think that's probably $105,000. It grossed
1: $105,000.
0: It certainly did not gross $105 million. (laughs) Or $1.5 million.
1: She may have had fun making it, but she's got to regret it. Wow. Because when you think The Detectress, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Gosford Park, Harry Potter, these are all big movies that is are she, wonderful, big she TV shows. Is one of the
0: fat slags? She is. Who is the other fat slag?
1: An actress I didn't recognize. Okay. But she's a well-known British actress, but I think she's mostly done TV comedy, so I haven't seen her a lot. Yeah, Sophie, 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 Sophie. Wow. <laughs> so you've not seen fat slags? Is that what you're telling me?
0: Nope. Okay. Kinky Dr. Grace sex.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did I need to know the Dr. wears Joe Boxers?
1: What's up with that? It's almost like brand placement. Yeah. I mean, you can't really see Joe Boxers and not see the name Joe Boxer. That's kind of the point of them. But it is like product placement. It's in pretty a pretty lurid shot of her, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. It's. Uh. Meanwhile, Mark Castle is being killed. Yes. So. He's been drugged.
0: He's been drugged. He's shooting his mouth off in the pub. Mm-hmm.
1: And then he goes out to the woods to get his oak boughs. Because he's got to do that before he enters Telly into the Scruffiest Dog Competition. He's very busy. Yeah. <laughs> But he's drugged and hallucinating and hearing voices, so he gets out his big pocket knife, and before you know it, he's dead under a tree.
0: What I don't understand is how people don't see Rob creeping around through this whole episode, because that's obviously what he does.
1: I think that's all Rob does anyway, is he's always in the background. Yeah. He's not important to anybody. He doesn't have any connections to anybody, except the people that he kind of works for. The fact now that two people he worked for are dead should be a clue to somebody. Yeah. But... Tom and Jones don't seem to think that that's critical. No. And he's so unassuming. He's like a genuinely nice quiet kind of guy who just works hard so you don't really suspect him of anything.
0: Yeah. There's a point where Barnaby's at Candle Cottage. Mm Mm-hmm. And he comes down. Which is
1: Marion's house. He comes down and Ursula is in the house. Yeah. Well, she saw the door open so she didn't want anything bad happening. I love how she just leaves. (laughs) Yeah. After she says, "There's a picture missing from the mantle," because she's memorized everybody's house, and Barnaby turns around and she just walks out. That's what she does. She has the most horrible vest on in that scene. Yeah, she's got like this pink and green flowery dress on and this black, fluffy vest. Yeah. it's like feathered or something. Uh, I don't horrible. know. Uh, meanwhile, April's just sitting out in the car waiting. In the car waiting. And then oh, we- mom's just inside being nosy.
0: And then we go to Dennis in the library, and it is full of interesting things. It is <laughs> so in the library. In order of interesting to uh, of non interesting to interesting, we have a British Board of Film Classification poster. Mm-hmm. Now this is an older poster because it doesn't have the recent classifications, but it has UPG 12, uh, uh, 12, and then I'm assuming eighteen. And then what they call 18 plus. Okay. Okay. But then, you know, I don't really care because I see Scars of Dracula. Somebody likes that movie. Somebody in the, like, Brian Turmay likes that movie.
1: Yeah. Or it's a joke amongst the, the set. To kind of like Somebody. try to place it. This
0: is the fourth Scars of Dracula reference.
1: But that's not all that's in the library. We well, also have House of Satan. The Wicker Man is right beside it too. Oh, well, they go together.
0: Yes, they do. They're so amazing. I love the Wicker Man.
1: House of Satan, which is the book from A Tale of Two Hamlets. And Jezebel's books there. Jezebel Tripp's book. Yep.
0: Because, you know, we took that picture of Jezebel naked. We need to get that book.
1: Well, and, and when you see Alistair Gooding... Or Dennis Rainbird. You think, librarian? Yeah, no. He's he's probably a librarian. No. No? (laughs) No. Weird. April would be a better librarian. You know,
0: you really shouldn't talk to cops about how much of a pedophile you are.
1: (laughs) You know, he and John Starkey both... Talk about young girls being beautiful and luscious and gorgeous. At least John's saying because they're the, the queen yeah. of of Oak Apple Week. But Richard Kant, who plays Alistair Gooding, is so good at being just despicable. Little tarts. Oh my gosh! loads of little tarts in the making. Yes. But that scene where he and Bella get their photos taken for the newspaper made me feel like I needed to go take a shower. We need to
0: talk about that scene on its own in a little while. Okay. Because
1: it's so bad we got to set it yes. aside. Yes. The whole idea of having a festival queen purely based on looks is is wrong anyway. It's so bad. And we know Oak Apple Week hasn't had a queen for eight years. Since Bella died, they haven't had one. Yeah. Which is the inciting incident that makes all this happen anyway, that they bring the queen back. So Marion dies Mm
0: -hmm. on the day of the fancy dress.
1: Right. Mark dies. Mark dies on the dog competition. Scruffiest dog competition.
0: What will get this event canceled?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. If Ursula died. Uh, uh, No, because then they'd probably have a little party. Yeah. Nothing's going to stop Oak Apple Week, Mark. Nothing. It's critical. We have a timeline. We have to keep to it. Okay. Meanwhile, Wello thinks this village is becoming a little too complicated for me.
0: Yes. (laughs) Because I think he's figured it out.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think he at least suspects that this is related to Bella and he needs to uh, get out of town.
0: No, who else seems to get out of town? Georgie. He's got tickets for the opera. (laughs) What the hell does
1: that even have to do with anything? I think it's just an excuse to show Tom standing in the morgue going, uh, um, uh. And Georgie in a nice suit. Yeah. Georgie deserves to go to the opera. Yep. April slowly gets backbone
0: in this episode and then is torn away.
1: Man, though, when she lays it down, she lays it down. She does. I wish you were dead. Yeah. You know your son; he likes young girls. How are you going to like that when he's living here under your roof? Oh, it just comes out. Just and I'm like, you go, girl. You tell her. And Ursula looks like she's been slapped. The first time April lets it out a little bit at the dining room table. Yeah. Ursula's like, well, that's just like you to just say stupid things like that. Whatever. <laughs> she's like shaking her head even when she's in a room alone eating yeah. her broccoli or whatever. But the second time, woo!
0: Yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, Ron talks about rat poison.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mr. Sideburns. Like, his wife is clearly cheating on him. Like, what's he gonna do about it? Apparently, apparently kill them both. Ron Chalk is played by Tom Georgeson. Yes. Who was in A Fish Called Wanda, where he he played George Thomason. His name is Tom Georgeson. (laughs) <laughs> and he played George Thompson.
0: <laughs> Clearly, the Fish Called Wanda guy's having some fun.
1: Yeah, he plays the the main bad guy in A Fish Called Wanda. He's yeah, really he, good. He's the guy trying to kill the old lady. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. He's really good in it. Why is Justin the kangaroo in the parade?
0: <sighs> okay, before we get to the parade, let's talk about the worst scene ever. Okay. Okay. So, for some reason, they need to take pictures of the oak. Apple princess. Mm-hmm. And. For the newspaper. For the newspaper. And they have a sexual assault
1: orgy. Well, they invite any men from the crowd to come and touch her. It's For the just camera. Horrific. And Alistair's like, I'll do it. <laughs> they keep touching her
0: and she's clearly uncomfortable. Both the actress and the actress. And the, in the character. character,
1: but did you see Rob in the background? Rob is in the background, and he looks how you feel. He, he looks grossed out. Yeah, he because does. in his is in his head that's Bella. Yeah, that Alistair's groping. Yeah,
0: it it, it just.
1: Yeah. Neff said, can we talk about Rob burning the float in front of Sadie? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's kind of him to offer to get rid of it because it's just a reminder after Mark is dead. Here, let me burn your childhood dreams. But he's going to burn it in a barrel. He could burn it anywhere. And it's the farm that she lives <laughs> Right in front of her while she's on her swing of sadness. Poor Sadie. Poor Sadie. It's just horrific. The incision scar from the autopsy on Mark's corpse is really bad. Yeah. It's like a, a string of rubber they just laid on him. It yeah. doesn't even look like it's been applied. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> uh,
0: Mark does an okay job as corpse, but he's, he's not the doctor. He's not
1: married. Oh, when he's against the tree and the flies are on his face, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Now, can we talk about Justin the kangaroo?
0: No, we got to talk about the doctor first. Man,
1: you keep putting it off. No, Wello's not dead yet when we see Justin the kangaroo for the first time. Yeah, the parade is after. Not he's the dead. setup for the parade. The kangaroo's there? Yeah, that's wow. where we learn his name is Justin. Because John Starkey walks up to him and goes, get in line, Justin. <laughs> that's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the kangaroo's like, oh, okay. And hops around a little bit. Why is there a kangaroo? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know that kangaroos are native to Midsummer Barton? See, (laughs) so when
0: I title the episode, I do it during the editing phase. And I always try, what I'm trying to do with the titles of our podcast episodes is for you to look at that title and go, What the hell are they talking about?
1: And then you listen to it and you go, ah, that's why they called it that. So kangaroos
0: are definitely making it into the
1: title. I've got a theory about the kangaroo and the gorilla. Okay,
0: tell me about the kangaroo and the gorilla.
1: I think they're undercover cops. They certainly come
0: to Bella's, I mean, not Bella's, rescue.
1: (laughs) They both throw off their heads and then wrestle Rob to the ground. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Willow. I'm sorry. I skipped a murder. Bad me.
0: Okay, so the doctor's killed, and April witnesses it, basically. And she knows who it is.
1: She knows who killed him, and Tom puts the dots together and knows that Bella was pregnant. Yeah. And I love Ursula's face when Tom says, well, I know who the father is. Sorry, you don't. And her face is like... (gasps) What do you mean you know something I don't? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) That's like worse than slapping her is to say, I know gossip that you don't know.
0: In the middle of it, the pub runs out of barbecue ribs.
1: (laughs) Because Ruth may be having an affair and running around, but she doesn't neglect the chalkboard at the pub. No. Okay. So
0: the doctor dies. He's been stabbed. It's a beautiful scene. A beautiful scene, like a beautiful scene of the crime.
1: He's also had a vase of flowers smashed over his head. Yeah, so he's got tulips around him too. Yep,
0: (laughs) it's it's well done, and Simon Callow was just fantastic.
1: Yeah, he's a good dead body actor. Yeah, he's no Marion drowning in the creek, but he's pretty good. So now we move to the climax, which
0: is the parade. The parade, which the important thing in the parade is that the Midsummer Night's Dream production. On the 3rd of June, Costin <laughs> has a float.
1: <laughs> hey, whoever their marketing director is for the Coston Playhouse, they're working hard. They are working. The
0: poster and the Oak Apple Week poster are everywhere in this town. I stopped counting.
1: Yeah, they're everywhere.
0: But luckily, we have the most un-British thing ever also. Middle-aged green and white cheerleaders. yes. What the hell is up with
1: that? I wrote down, why is Justin the kangaroo in the parade? Wait a minute. Why is a gorilla in the parade? Oh, even worse. Why are there middle-aged cheerleaders in the parade? And then I added a note. Oh, because they take down the killer. (laughs) They do not take down the killer. It would have been awesome if they had, though. If the cheerleaders had taken him down instead, that would have been great. (laughs) Because that red-haired cheerleader who's obviously the leader of the cheerleading troop.
0: Who does she she know in the production? She could take him down. Who does she know in the production? Because
1: she is featured. Yes. (laughs) The camera, the dolly, the crane, whatever it is that the camera's on, really likes her. (laughs) And Tom jumps on the steam engine so he can get a better view. I thought he was going to say, "Follow that guy." (laughs) Is
0: one of the floats playing the Lombada?
1: Yes. No, it's, it's um, La Bamba. La Bamba. La 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 Bamba. Yes. Yeah, because there's massive cultural appropriation going on <laughs> all over that parade.
0: So in this parade, we have the following a fake production. hmm A guy dressed as a kangaroo. Yes. A guy dressed as a gorilla. Yes. Green and white
1: middle-aged cheerleader. Yes. <laughs> and La Bamba. Yes. With uh, a guy wearing a skull mask who's pretending to be a pirate. Because he goes, pieces of eight. Because they're all collecting money for charity. They've all got buckets. Yeah. Don't forget, though, we also have the burlap dressed young farmers on a float. They all look like hobo farmers. As a young farmer, I never wore a burlap dress. You didn't? No, I did not. Oh, man. You weren't a real young farmer then. Uh, And it's... They do a good job of
0: implying that the killer is either John Starkey.
1: Yeah, because we're looking for the killer, right? We're looking at, we're, we got Tom Vision. Yep. Alistair. And who is he looking for? He's got Alistair in his sights. He's got John in his sights. Or the gorilla. It he could be the gorilla. Could be the gorilla. The killer could be in a costume. And I remembered
0: it wrong. I thought it was the gorilla. And he takes his head off and it's John. Uh, Rob, mm-hmm. right? But no, no, no. Rob just walks up, knifes Alistair. <laughs> what is his end game here? What is Ron's end, Rob's end game?
1: Okay, he doesn't have an escape plan. He's crazy. Uh, He's not being logical. He's going to kill that girl on that float because she's not Bella in front of everybody. He doesn't have an end plan.
0: You're a star.
1: Alistair, you're so creepy. It's gross. Oh. gross, gross, gross. And then he cuts the photo of them out of the newspaper. Oh, that's like that's like the 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 coup de gras to the grossness of that photo shoot is that it makes it into the newspaper that the editor was not smart enough to go, hey, this is gross. We shouldn't include this. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's a terrible day for the village.
1: It's a surreal day for the village. You all should be glad you survived.
0: There are three people and two assaults by this person.
1: Mm-hmm. Three murders, two three. assaults. And when Tom has Rob in the police station and he confronts them with everything, he says, you knew the baby was yours. How? I mean, I guess maybe it was a timing thing. Because Bella and Rob were in love. They had a little argument. And because of that, she strayed. Maybe she slept with the doctor. Maybe she slept with Mark Castle. I don't know. Yeah. But then she lets Rob know that she's pregnant. She has an abortion that goes wrong. Dr. Wello performs it. It goes wrong and she dies. And Rob is supposed to know that the baby was his.
0: Now, I don't want to get down again, but abortion is legal in the UK.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And was eight years ago.
1: I don't think it's a legal issue that they cover it up. Okay. It's a reputational issue. But, like, if that had happened 25 years in the
0: past, I'd understand the doctor screwing it up.
1: She was frail. I guess. Right? She's already a frail person. She's anemic. I guess. (laughs) She can't just take a supplement, apparently. So there was a complication. And... You can have a complication with any surgery. I think Willow wanted to cover it up because he already had a bad enough reputation. He didn't need that tied to his reputation, too. Yeah. Right. So they lied and they covered it up. Now, I don't know when Rob finds out that that's what happened. I don't know if he knew at the time that that's what happened and he kept it a secret for eight years or if he found out later that that's what happened to Bella, that she didn't die of food poisoning complications. But he seethed for eight years. And until they Ms. said they were going to crown a new, a new queen of the yeah. fair. And that's what pushed him over the edge. Which at least
0: is an exciting incident, like an inciting incident.
1: Yeah. You understand what set him off. Yeah. Right. So he kills Marion because she's her mother and she hid it from everybody. She kills Mark Castle because he bragged about sleeping with Bella. And then he kills Dr. Wello because he performed the abortion.
0: How are we going to finish this episode? Are we going to have April standing up to her mother finally? Are we going to have Ruth coming to terms with her flirtatious and uh, Jezebel ways with her husband? Are we going to have John and Grace dealing with their marriage troubles? Or Grace dealing with the death of her lover? Or are we going to have Alistair look at weird pictures and be creepy?
1: With a, a big cut on his face. When I saw this episode the first time, I thought, ooh, they're going to bring him back because they're foreshadowing that he's creepy now and he's going to get worse. I expected Maybe. to see another episode with Richard Kant in it yeah. killing young girls or at least being a suspect for killing young girls. At
0: least being a suspect.
1: But then I think somebody got smart and said, you know what? That's kind of a gross theme. Let's not do that. Oh, wow. So who's best corpse? I'm going Marion. Because of being under the water? Under the water. Yeah, I got to agree with you. It's cold under there, man. Because she didn't have to play like that. She could have been face up in the water. She could have been. She could have been head on a rock out of the water.
0: Under water.
1: Yep. Good, good, good one. And then after the credits, well, you've kind of just laid it all out, right?
0: Well, I hope April stands up to her mother. Yeah. Hope she moves out. Yep. I hope that Helen and Sophie have a nice life. Sadie. Sadie. John needs to move to the city and
1: become a DJ and leave
0: his wife behind.
1: <laughs> he should be a radio DJ. He should. He's a DJ. He's got a DJ stand. A drive time DJ. Yep. Grace can carry on with her horses. Why doesn't she have an affair with the dude she's working with? He's not exciting like Dr. Wellow uh, is. I guess not. And there's going to be a new doctor in Midsummer Barton.
0: And Ruth is probably going to pound him into the ground too, like <laughs> she does everybody
1: else. Uh, she's gotta go shopping for more shirts that have slit shoulders and just oh, have that like one little thread is that connects up it. With her shirts. <laughs> the one thing we haven't talked about before we wrap is the title.
0: Yes. So so I easily got halfway through this episode going, No, this isn't the one with the poison pen letters. That's an Agatha Christie. <laughs> so why is it called Dead Letters? Why is it called Dead Letters?
1: And it's because Tom finds all of Rob's letters to Bella. Yeah. And that plays out the whole story for him, right? Of what happened between them. But it's also a reference to mail that cannot be delivered.
0: Yeah. So where I originally heard of dead letter office is it's a, uh, an album of B sides from REM. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's an office in the post office. Most that they usually combine them, right? But they, um, um, there, there's usually one in each post office where letters that can't be delivered are kept.
1: In the U.S., we have one dead letter office, and it's in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. So if any post office across the country gets a letter that is undeliverable either because it's illegible or because the address no longer exists yeah. and has no return. The default is to return it. If you can't send it to the person that's yeah. intended for it, you send it back.
0: And these have no return.
1: But if there's no return address or it is as illegible as the two, yeah. it used to stay local.
0: Yeah, and now it's in Atlanta.
1: And now they send it to Atlanta, because which is got, why
0: probably REM knew about the dead letter office.
1: Yeah, because they've got now they've got computers that scan them and decipher the handwriting. Yeah, but the uh, around the world in, mo- in in nearly every country I could find anyway, there's a law against tampering with mail. Like that is just something you don't do. <sighs> nope. If they have a postal service, post is sacrosanct. You do not mess with it. And people who work in dead letter offices, which they now call mail recovery offices, are the only people allowed by law to open other people's mail because they open them to see if there are any clues inside about who it's meant to go to. Um, That I knew
0: that, too, because the other place that I know dead letter office from is a Clive Barker book called The Great and Secret Show, where the dead letter office is kind of this guy figures out this conspiracy because of the mail that he finds while working in the dead letter
1: office. And in going postal, the Terry Pratchett Discworld book, Le Bon Moist takes it upon himself to deliver all of the dead letters that they have in the post office. So he deciphers all of the addresses and gets those letters to everybody. Nice. <laughs> he restores it all. Yeah, but that's dead letters. Now they're called mail mail recovery facilities. Ugh. They don't call them dead letters anymore. Dead letter office is great. But if there's some um, valuable stuff in it and they can't get it to who it belongs to, they auction it off. Apparently they off, uh, auction off some pretty cool stuff. Oh, Just like the um, airports do, you know, with yeah, luggage that's luggage never claimed. They like auction that. that off too. Yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. Absolutely. So, shick shack, kangaroos. Chemical weddings.
0: Chemical weddings.
1: <laughs> it's not Shake Shack, by the way. It's Shik Shack. Don't put a Shik Shack in your shake from the Shake Shack because that's gross.
0: Couple of things. <laughs> one, last week's episode was our number one episode of all time. Wow! Again, it just—I cannot believe how many people listen to our show. Thank you so much. It's great. It's fantastic,
1: and we love chatting with you guys our, and all the social channels too. Yeah. It's so fun to hear what you're thinking about these episodes and your theories. And our uh, we're, we're coming up on our first year,
0: yeah. July 29th. Right, we mm-hmm. got a we got a little over a month and a half, and we'll have to do a special one year show.
1: Yeah, and I I just cannot like it might be episode 50. It is. The weirdest year. Or I guess it 52. <laughs> no, because we had to skip a week or two. With so. the
0: weirdest situations. Oh,
1: yeah. With the wildest time. It's going to go down
0: in history. This, and we're this making year. this crazy little podcast. T-
1: if it provides anybody just a little window of happy, then it was worth every minute. Please,
0: please enjoy yourselves.
1: Yes. Find happy where you can. Next week. Oh, boy. Teddy. You say this every time. Mr. Toad and Teddy next week. Episode 46,
0: season nine, episode three Vixen's Run, which we were talking beforehand maybe the best female performances we've seen in this show.
1: Mm, it's a There
0: a, are some doozies.
1: It's a cast of really great female actors.
0: And Teddy and his
1: vegetables. <laughs> vegetables. <laughs> oh, uh, they
0: are ginormous. At and
1: you. it's something else. It is the first episode if you are a midsummer aficionado. It is the first episode where fox and peacock sounds are heard continuously in the background. (laughs) So hit us up on the... uh, It was the episode where I first noticed them. Yes. Hit us up on the Twitter, the Instagram, subreddit. All those things. All the newspapers
0: who are listening to us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is for you, Express. (laughs) Until next week. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. 1859, it was abolished as a holiday in the UK. They revised their list of bank holidays, basically.
0: Now, is this Victoria or before Victoria?
1: 1859.
0: Be close to Victoria.
1: Um, you'd have to Google that because okay. I don't know the dates of her okay. reign exactly. I think it would be before her. I think it's before her. We could just cut this out and you could Google it.
0: Yeah, it's
1: okay. Or we could just cut it out so yeah, we don't we'll sound just like cut idiots. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. That's end of the episode material. (laughs)